Welcome to Paper Team, a podcast about television writing and becoming a TV writer. I'm Alex Friedman, aka TV Calling. And I'm Nick Watson on Twitter at underscore NJ Watson. And today we begin the journey of our brand new 2020 mentorship where we help one of our listeners workshop the pilot from inception to final draft. So without further ado, we're pleased to introduce the writer who will be along with us for the ride, Ben Warner. Hey guys, thanks, thanks, thanks for having me and uh, I'm honored to be your 2020 mentee. Yeah, it's good to have you on board. This week is our first 2020 mentorship episode, and we're going to be going over Ben's um, journey as a writer, how he got where he is right now, as well as discovering a little bit about Ben's new pilot and going through maybe a rough series overview. So let's get into it. As longtime listeners will know, this is the second time we're doing a paper team mentorship after uh, last year with the comedy writer Paul Chang. He got staffed halfway through the process, so maybe we were a little bit too successful. Uh, but obviously, we're very happy for Paul, and we've been in touch with him since, and you've heard some of his updates. Uh, yeah, so we figured why not do it all over again and bring in a brand new mentee for this year. Absolutely. And uh, just to recap, the mentorship goal, essentially our mentorship is a monthly workshop where we help a writer create a new original TV pilot script from inception to final draft. And we also want you, the listener, to follow along with this process and start working on your next idea all the way through to script, whether that is in your own writing group or on our Facebook group or obviously the Patreon. We really want to make this as interactive as possible and an interactive experience overall that everyone can benefit from. So on that note, let's get to know our writer, Ben Warner, a little better. I guess uh, this is kind of like a general meeting uh, of sorts, but can you briefly share with our listeners your own background and what got you into TV writing? Sure. I was born and raised in Southern California, and I've always had an interest in writing ever since I kind of figured out as a kid that the actors weren't just making it up as they went along. I didn't really take it seriously until I got to college and I majored in journalism. And sort of took a screenwriting class on a whim and fell in love and got the bug and did some internships with uh, development companies. And I've been writing ever since. And uh, how many scripts would you say you've kind of written up until now uh, from when we saw Strange? Oh, boy. Probably five or six features and four or five pilots. Speaking of uh, Strange, we want to talk a bit about how we selected Ben. Essentially, from our pool of Paper D's entries, we asked a few folks to send us the full pilot script version of their teasers. And from that pool, we then asked additional questions about the writer's goals, as well as a couple of log lines for shows that they would want to work on next. And there were a few reasons that we chose Ben out of the other very talented writers who were in consideration. And then, Nate, if you want to walk us through those. Yeah. So firstly, we thought that Ben had a strong voice on the page that really grabbed the reader and guided us through the story visually with a good sense of pacing. Uh, you know, he tells stories in a compelling way. We also really loved the uniqueness of Ben's premises, especially the ability to bring kind of a fresh take to these established genres like a supernatural Western in Strange. You know, that script is kind of like a supernatural meets the unforgiven. So being able to bring a unique angle into a familiar story in a genre is a really great skill to have, especially when it comes to selling shows in the industry that kind of stand out and get attention. And then also so when we asked Ben for additional ideas that he'd been working on, all of his concepts kind of inherently felt like clear shows that had legs and that we could see working as a series. And lastly, as always, we felt like there was still some room for improvement in Ben's writing, especially when it came to perhaps overall story structure and focus. And so we felt that we could help him through that in the development process and help refine or focus even his writing process a little bit. Absolutely. Well, on that note, Ben, what was the project that you landed on and uh, what was the log line that you sent us originally? Well, it's uh, 
working title here is The Pirate King, and the logline is as follows. A notorious pirate escapes to 1800s New Orleans after being betrayed and left for dead and finds himself mixed up in a power struggle for control of the city between dark, mysterious forces. Originally, I wholly intended for the pirate to be an original character, and in my research, I found some historical figures that completely fit the bill for what I was looking for. So it's kind of taken on a new life as a historical drama with some strong action adventure elements. We'll get into this a bit uh, deeper later in the episode. And on that note, it's important to mention that besides that basic log line that he pitched us uh, a few weeks ago, we don't really know personally anything else about the project, like the characters, arcs, or really even what the pilot is about. So we're really excited to hear a lot about what the show is going to be. Yeah, like with our first mentee, Paul, there were a couple of reasons we wanted to start this mentorship process with just this basic series overview and, and premise and not, say, a full beat sheet. And that's because the goal of this mentorship is to produce a finished pilot script. And it isn't a feature or a novel that can kind of exist on its own little island. It's the first hour of a bigger narrative that is a full TV show. So if you listen to any of our episodes on the topic of pilots in the past, you'll know that a pilot script needs to service multiple things, including establishing the entire series. And as such, you can't really start outlining or drafting a pilot without having a bit of a broader idea about what the pilot is trying to set up. And uh, the second reason was uh, because of this first episode is also meant as a message in a bottle episode where we're at such an early stage of the process that anything we'll talk about with this project is essentially still being figured out by Ben, which means it's kind of the perfect step to look back on at the end of the journey. And hopefully the process won't be interrupted halfway through. But assuming we get to the end of this journey, once the script is completed and most things of that series have been figured out, we can look back at this episode as the starting point. All right. So let's take a look at the rough pitch for the series from Ben. Here's just my rough overview of the plot. In the early 1800s, New Orleans is one of America's largest and wealthiest cities. The bustling shipping port is home to a wide mix of cultures with millions of dollars worth of goods shipping in and out every day. Of course, where that kind of money can be found, so too can all manner of rogues, criminals, and lowlifes. But most dangerous of all were the pirates. No pirate at the time was more feared than the infamous John Lafitte, the ruthless captain of the pride the leader of the feared Bartarians, and undisputed pirate king of the New Orleans underground. Lafitte's fleet was so powerful that he became instrumental in defeating the British in the Battle of New Orleans in the War of 1812, and with his victory came praise and pardons from the U.S. government. Not content to live a normal life, Lafitte again turned to piracy, burning his goodwill with the government, and once again becoming known as a ruthless killer and rogue. In 1823, Lafitte's flagship was in pursuit of two Spanish merchant vessels, which turned out to be heavily armed privateer ships, and Lafitte was presumed killed in the ensuing fight. That presumption, we will learn, was wrong. Our story picks up after Lafitte's disappearance. Betrayed by his crew and left for dead, Lafitte returns to the only real home he ever knew, New Orleans. His absence has created a power struggle for control of the city's criminal operations, and his traitorous first mate, Mauricio Santos, has consolidated the remains of Lafitte's empire, seizing his assets and keeping even Lafitte's most loyal soldiers in line through sheer brutality. Lafitte, wounded and exhausted from his return to New Orleans, takes refuge in his brother Pierre's bar, the former headquarters of the Lafitte smuggling operation, where Pierre attempts to convince Jean that any attempt to reclaim his spot as the pirate king is a fool's errand. Pierre's warning falls on deaf ears. Jean is hell-bent on reclaiming his empire, but in the time he's been away, the criminal landscape has changed drastically. John's powerful friends and allies are gone, and he is forced to deal with the new, more dangerous crime bosses in the city. 
Throughout our story, Lafitte will forge uneasy alliances and fierce rivalries with the new New Orleans power players. Many will be based on real-life historical figures like the beloved and mysterious voodoo queen Marie Laveau and the chilling, possibly vampiric Jacques Saint-Germain. Others, like Lafitte's treacherous first mate and crew, are original characters. Lafitte is a deadly and capable man, which makes him a valuable weapon in the war for the city's soul. Each faction will seek his services at one point or another as they fight to consolidate their power. He will work as a spy, saboteur, soldier, and assassin for the various rival gangs, all while rebuilding his own formidable crew. Throughout the series, Jean will be torn between his natural sense of honor and the overwhelming greed that fuels his life of crime. And that is the Pirate King. Awesome. Yeah, that's a great pitch. And uh, you also have a couple of other areas you just wanted to go over, sort of like themes and character breakdowns. You just want to let us know about those now, too? It felt disingenuous to try to pitch anything that wasn't relevant to what we're feeling today, Um, you know, in this current climate politically and the whole COVID thing. There's a lot of distrust. There's a lot of corruption. And I felt that very few figures in history matched those feelings better than pirates. And at the same time, I don't want to just be such a downer because that's all we have around us right now. So I think the pirate thing gives me an angle where I could explore those themes, but at the same time inject a little bit of swashbuckling fun and adventure and some mysticism into what's otherwise sort of dreary existence right now. As far as the characters, doing research for this, I've learned more and more about Jean Lafitte and the guy was just fascinating. I mean, it's kind of amazing that there aren't 20 TV shows about him already. You know, he's an American hero uh, while at the same time being a ruthless pirate. You know, he was a spy for the Spanish in the uh, Mexican War for Independence. So he, he has so much of an interesting backstory. And at his peak, he was so wealthy and so powerful. And I thought it would be fun to kind of tear everything away from him. You know, it's like if Breaking Bad started when Walter White had to run away to Alaska or wherever it was that he got shipped to. And it's the rebuilding that I think will be so fun to explore. And did you have an idea of what you wanted to explain the pilot specifically, uh, sort of that slice of his life? I do. I'm thinking that it's got to open with his betrayal at the hands of his crew. You know, they stab him, they leave him for dead. And in the history books, you know, some of them, uh, that's where his story ends. But I think I start with that. And then really, it's going to be about his struggle, his return to New Orleans. And then getting the lay, the new lay of the land there because things have changed since he's been gone. And uh, were there some other kind of key characters that you foresee being a big part of the series? Yeah, I think the two most interesting are uh, Marie Laveau and Jacques Saint Germain, and they're both real historical figures, and they both are incredibly enigmatic, mysterious characters in real life. Marie Laveau helped popularize voodoo in New Orleans and is known as the Voodoo Queen. She's still regarded as one of the most impressive and and striking citizens in New Orleans history. And Jacques Saint-Germain was this mysterious French import um, who is known for throwing these lavish balls and these huge feasts, and no one would ever see him eat at his feasts. He would just sit aside and he would sip red wine, and he would tell these amazingly in-depth historical stories like he was there. So it spread the legend that Jacques Saint-Germain is the New Orleans vampire. 
And I love mysticism and I love the occult. So I just, I couldn't not bring these guys. in. All right. So now that we've uh, heard uh, Ben's pitch, let's uh, dig into the show, The Parking. And uh, firstly, Ben, why did you choose The Parking as your next sample? Well, like I said, it was some of those themes that um, really spoke to me. But really, I love to do, take a a realistic setting or um, a genre that's typically done pretty straight and then give it a heightened sense of realism. So I did the same thing with Strange California, where in a lot of ways, it's it's a really grounded, gritty, revenge tale Western. And then, you know, I had <laughs> Magic and Monsters. So I, I had that feeling, you know, I've always wanted to do something with pirates. I have that fascination with the occult and voodoo and New Orleans. So I thought I'd just mash those two up. All right, great. And uh, on that note, let's share some of our thoughts about the parking and ask you some more questions. Yeah, so in general, I thought this was a, a really strong pitch, and it's really intriguing and fascinating. So we had a couple of areas that we just basically wanted to kind of dig a little deeper and just ask if you had thought any further on some of these areas. And that's totally okay if you haven't, if you still just need to think about it or something, you can kind of plan ahead in, in future weeks. But uh, first up, I just wanted to touch on kind of like a personal connection. You said you've had a fascination with the occult and that kind of thing. But I'm wondering, you know, is there any way that you can perhaps relate to John's story in some way? You put yourself in his shoes. Is there some experience in your life you can really kind of relate to that struggle or something that would have inspired you personally to write this? Well, the truth is, no, I can't relate to Jean, but I kind of wish I could. So it comes more out of a place of wanting to be that dashing rogue hero. And um, I think a lot of people feel that. And those were the characters I always gravitated towards, you know, the Indiana Jones is not the Han Solos, I guess, just Harrison Ford in general. But um, <laughs> yeah, so that spoke to me. He's just such a fascinating guy. He's hyper capable and he could have just been content with a normal life. And I guess this is where I identify with him, but he always needed more. He always had this, this call to adventure and this lust for you know excitement that I certainly identify with. Yeah, that's fascinating that you mentioned that. I mean, personally, I agree with Nick's own question about the, the personal connection. And the way you were describing the story of the parking kind of reminded me of the book, uh, The Count of Monte Cristo. I don't know if you've read uh, that book. But essentially, the main character loses everything in the first half of the book. And then the second half of the book, he uh, essentially enacts revenge on all the people that took everything away from him. And it sort of reminded me of the lead of your show where the series starts with him at the bottom of the totem pole and after his uh, losing of everything else. So um, in terms of the personal connection, even though it is true that potentially you may not necessarily identify with the superhero nature of Jean, it does seem like hopefully I I would want more of a personal connection, at least in the pitching of it, in terms of maybe emotionally you can relate to the struggles that Jean has been going through or uh, is going to go through through the arc of the series. So that was kind of like my one sort of question is, do you feel... Maybe not in terms of the sort of a superhero nature of it or like his special set of skills, but in terms of emotionally, the things that he has lost or he's going to gain or all those things, do you feel there is anything there that uh, you could personally identify with and bring to the narrative? Sure. I mean, everybody's lost things, especially in uh, recent times. And the ambition is obviously something I identify with. That's something I'd probably have to think a little bit more on. But yeah, that's a, that's a good question and a good thing to, to ponder. 
Yeah, for sure. I think that's a good way to address it, too. I mean, obviously, it's not always the easiest thing if you're writing a story about space aliens or whatever. You're like, how do I identify with this or whatever? But, you know, I think once you think about it for a while and you really dig down deep, there, there's something, some little kernel of something that like there that you said, like the ambition, things like that, that you can kind of tap into. And I think that when, you know, you inevitably do pitch this to producers, to studios, and that kind of thing, they're going to kind of want to know, like, why is this your story that you had to tell? So that's sort of all we're bringing up for this point. Yeah, exactly. That's sort of like the point that we're bringing up. And just uh, to that idea, uh, I really feel there is room there. I don't feel it's necessarily that the identifying nature is not necessarily, okay, well, I was not a pirate uh, in the, you know, in the 1800s. So I can't really compare it, but it's much more on the human level, especially uh, we're going to talk more about the characters and so forth in a moment. But I really feel there's a lot of potential there in terms of uh, the richness of those stories. And so that's definitely an idea or thought to ponder in weeks future is sort of like how you can connect yourself and bring some of that personal quote-unquote baggage or emotional thoughts into Jean, but also the other characters that we're going to take a look at. Right. Uh, and another thing is so little is known about him um, on a personal level besides the, the very surface that he was suave and, and intelligent. So, so much of that and so much of me is going to come out on the page, hopefully, that by the time I'm writing it, a personal connection will be forged in one way or another. And now let's move on to the concept. Yeah, so on a conceptual level, we were kind of curious, what other shows or movies or books or stories would you compare this to? You know, is it kind of like a Black Sails or Pirates of the Caribbean or Rome? Uh, how does the show also then distinguish itself from those and provide a new or a fresh angle in? Uh, I think it's going to be hard to avoid comparisons to Black Sails because of the uh, just the nature of the pirates. But this show is really not, it's about one pirate. It's not about pirates. And I want there to be a bigger sense of fun and adventure in this. And certainly the mysticism that is not present in Black Sails. That's another thing, tone-wise. You know, we said this is sort of a message in a bottle episode. And the tone is something I expect will change, as it tends to do for me. When I start writing, the characters start taking on personalities that maybe I didn't foresee. And uh, that could affect the tone. So I want it to still have, you know, I really want to hammer home that sense of fun and adventure that the Pirates of the Caribbean movies did have, but maybe not to that degree. It should be a little bit more grim than that. Um, I can't think of a really apt comparison right now, but I'm sure there's something out there that maybe I'm not catching. You know, I, I always go to the well with this one, but The Mandalorian for me, I think is such a great mix of compelling action and adventure and that sense of discovery and also stakes with the humor mixed in, you know, we're not going to have baby Yoda, but you know, I'd, I'd <laughs> like to have a couple of laughs in there every once in a while. You're saying there's no baby Yoda in New Orleans in the, the 1800s. Uh, maybe. Uh, Don't say never. <laughs> <laughs> well, to that idea, this might be an odd uh, sort of comparison, but my mind also went to uh, another show on Cinemax called uh, Banshee. Uh, again, I don't know if you've uh, ever seen Banshee, but Banshee had a very diverse group of characters with uh, very pulpy archetypes. Part of the identity of the show was the town, Banshee. And I feel like your show has a lot of uh, really diverse, interesting characters. But on top of that, there's also the diverse, vibrant city that is New Orleans that could be considered, hopefully, a character. So I feel like that would be something to lean into in terms of differentiating Black Sails from your show, especially because you mentioned Black Sails is about pirates, whereas this show is about a pirate. Uh, but I would also contend that your show potentially is about New Orleans in the 1800s, and that is 
sort of a, a backdrop that, as far as I know, we've never really sh- seen on TV before. We've seen pirate shows and so forth, but we've never seen a show about that era with like some voodoo, some mysticism, some occult. There's a lot there in terms of depth that could really distinguish your show from all the other shows out there. I absolutely agree with that. I mean, that's something that I consider maybe even one of my strong points is sort of developing around that central area and giving characters locations. You know, that's something I think that I did well in Strange that I would like to carry over to this too. But I I totally agree. Yeah. Another thing that stood out to me was the element of maybe a comparison to a show like Rome or Spartacus Blood and Sand or even Game of Thrones, where there's really going to be a lot of like political machinations going on. It's not just all swashbuckling action set pieces and that kind of thing. Like it really feels like there's going to be all these different power players and, you know, almost like a gangs of London type thing, like that sort of element going on there as well, which I think might help elevate it. Yeah, definitely like a Game of Thrones type uh, courtroom intrigue. That's something that I've been uh, definitely planning on. So yeah, I, I agree with that as well. Well, to that idea, how were you thinking of exploring that courtroom intrigue, that politicking? Because obviously, uh, conceptually, it's very intriguing, but practically speaking, I do wonder whether different characters, how were you sort of uh, picturing that? It's going to come down to a class warfare type theme as well. Um, that's another thing that I guess is on my mind and on everybody's mind right now. Um, I think Jacques is definitely going to represent the wealthy, the elite, maybe the snobby power in the city. And Marie Laveau is pretty much the opposite. That's a homegrown grassroots campaign. That's going to definitely be the core, I think, of the the political conflict. And Jean is going to make himself such a valuable weapon for both of these teams and sort of play both sides against each other, sort of in a a Yojimbo type way, Um, if you're familiar with the Akira Kurosawa Mm -hmm. movie. Um, That's one of my favorites. I love the way he's just so... um, kind of cold and calculating and able to play the big picture and not play all of his cards at the same time. You know, I can't think of a good metaphor for that, but um, through Jean's eyes, we're going to get to see the developing political picture. Yeah. So speaking to all of that, obviously this is such an interesting world, especially based off these historical characters. There's also kind of a lot going on, you know, politically and geography, all that kind of thing. How are you planning on handling the historical exposition and providing context for this story? I think it's going to all have to be done in little bits and pieces throughout the first season. I don't want to do a Star Wars opening crawl. I don't want Jean to sit and look directly into camera and tell you his background. It's just going to have to be, things are going to be exposed just naturally over the course of the show. And a lot of these characters, since John's been out of the picture for so long, you know, he fled New Orleans for Galveston, Texas for a while. And so he was gone for, you know, a decade or more. When he comes back, Jacques and Marie Laveau are brand new to him, just like they're going to be brand new to us. So he's going to be our end of the world. And his backstory, we're going to learn through his allies, through his brother. And I'm just going to have to piece it out as we go and just see what feels natural to learn as we start. Obviously, you just mentioned that there's a lot of contrast in terms of Lafitte rediscovering the city, and obviously there's the rich backstory with Lafitte before the show even started. One potential risk that is being mentioned here is just being aware that not to do a little bit of uh, exposition overload, since you're kind of exploring what the city world was before the show and contrasting it with how it is now and Lafitte's uh, baggage there. Did you have any thoughts in terms of, uh, you mentioned obviously the the Star Wars crawl, but uh, in terms of other specific narrative techniques, classic examples like a flashback or something like that to show that contrast, or were you intended on sort of doing it as a linear story where you wanted to focus more on organic ways of showing 
thing, sort of Lafitte discovering this new city uh, as opposed to what it once was uh, in the present? The intention is just to do it naturally and really just see the changes through his eyes and his reactions. That's how we're going to know it's different. I don't intend on using flashbacks. I suppose, you know, my idea for the pilot cold open is his, his betrayal and his um, attempted murder and being left for dead. So, and then I, there, you know, the travel from where that happened in the Gulf of Mexico back to New Orleans, there's going to be a time gap. So in a sense, it starts off with a flashback that gives us some background and we'll jump forward ahead in time to our where will be our present from then on out. I can't foresee myself using many flashbacks. But I'm not going to discount it either. And if it comes up and it feels like the right time for one, then that's a, it's a possibility. But I'd rather, I'd rather that sort of exposition come naturally. Yeah, I definitely agree. I wasn't necessarily pitching flashbacks as the way to do it. It was more about thinking of, okay, being aware that the risk, especially given, as Nick mentioned, in terms of the, the world of it, there's a lot there in terms of the geography, the politics, the history. In a good way, it is dense. Um, and so one risk to be aware of is sort of having a character that is already aware of what New Orleans was and is now entering uh, a world where you know New Orleans is slightly different, but other characters only know the New Orleans of now and sort of sort of juggling those contrasts. And because as a, as a new viewer, we're only seeing the New Orleans of present. We're not seeing the New Orleans of the past. So it's sort of we're already having a lot of baggage understanding what is New Orleans now that you don't want to sort of confuse the audience by adding an explanation of like, well, here, let me introduce you how New Orleans is now, but also uh, let me explain how New Orleans was, if that makes sense. No, that absolutely makes sense. Yeah, that's that's certainly something I'm going to have to watch out for. That's probably going to come in the next stage um, in the outlining a little bit and uh, definitely when it comes down to actually writing it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we also just wanted to kind of touch on the themes a little bit. I think you kind of went over the thematic areas, which were all really good. But I'm wondering if you had any kind of central thematic premise or statement in mind. You know, to you, is this show really about betrayal or is it about power or authority or family? And in what way does, does that kind of relate to our current times? I think it's about redemption. And again, I feel like even the current, the theme is something that could change when I get to know the characters a little bit better and, and live in their heads a little bit. But I would like to see... Jean Lafitte, a man who is capable of really good things, but also, you know, he was not a good guy. He was a pirate and a killer. I would like to see it be a story about his redemption. You know, right now, there's a lot of people that need redeeming, especially in the government. It's just something that I think will resonate with most people. And it certainly resonates, you know, with me, anybody that's done something they're not proud of. There's, you know, it's never too late to try to make good. That's interesting. Do you see it as sort of like the flipped version of Breaking Bad, essentially, where instead of Walter White becoming Heisenberg, it's uh, Heisenberg becoming Walter White or trying to rehabilitate his image to become more of a Walter White type? I think that's a great example. And I just don't think it's going to be intentional. I think he's. it's going to be, you know, I think at a certain point, Walt made the decision to become Heisenberg. And I don't think Lafitte is going to make the opposite decision. I think he's going to find his honor, his sense of honor winning out slowly more and more, and he might even fight against it. But yeah, I think that's an apt comparison. Well, speaking of uh, characters, all of those uh, characters sound individually fascinating with a lot of uh, richness and, and potential, but we're a bit struggling to see how they will kind of interact on the story or character level. So I was going to ask, what do you envision their general broad arcs uh, to be, especially in relation to one another? Obviously, uh, just to quickly go back to uh, Breaking Bad, you have Walter White becoming Heisenberg, and so that has a direct interaction with his family and Jesse and all those uh, pieces. So how 
how do you see uh, Jean's own uh, narrative uh, interacting with sort of the different characters? Well, Jean is really going to be, at least at first, almost exclusively used as a weapon by them. He's such a good soldier and a spy and an assassin that, you know, he's just going to have to do them favors. So he's going to have to do some of their dirty work. You know, he's presumed dead. He's just reappeared in city. So having essentially a dead assassin, an untraceable assassin is going to be valuable to people like Jacques and less so to Marie, but Marie will have her uses for him as well. Marie and Jacques are going to interact because they're both socialites. Uh, Marie was held in extremely high regard by even the most high-class New Orleans citizens. You know, she was a spiritual advisor to some of the wealthiest people in the city. And uh, Jacques was famous for his, his lavish balls that attracted, you know, everybody. So they'll have interaction. Jacques was infamously known as a, an alchemist in search of the elixir of life. And I think that's when I'm going to start playing with the mysticism. When you're in search of something like that, having a voodoo queen on your side could be pretty helpful as well. So I think there's going to be a dynamic between those two that's more personal than just business. Yeah, I guess on the character of Jean, how are you planning on distinguishing what your version of a pirate is from perhaps the popular kind of Disney conception of a Jack Sparrow or that type of person? Well, that's one of the interesting things about Jean's actual character uh, from what we know of him was that he was very much the gentleman pirate. He was, you know, suave and always well-dressed. So he's sort of uh, the polar opposite of what you'd imagine as the typical pirate. You know, he's, he's certainly not a bumbling sort of buffoon like Jack Sparrow, you know, who I love, but he's, he's not that. So I think to see the, the, the gentleman pirate who has it all and then, you know, what is a gentleman pirate when he doesn't have anything, when he's living in tatters and rags, you know? So it's, I think there's a fun juxtaposition there of this guy that sees himself still maybe in his mind's eye as this elite leader of men and a multimillionaire and uh, having to come to terms with the fact that he's basically not the man he thinks he is. Well, speaking of the character and his own journey, let's uh, talk a bit about stakes in the show because uh, we kind of needed, at least personally, I, I kind of needed a better understanding of the stakes of the show, specifically on a human and personal stakes uh, level with uh, with Jean. Considering that he presumably already has lost everything when the show begins and he kind of sounds like that Monte Cristo type character that I mentioned at the top, who has kind of nothing to lose, what do you feel is at risk for him when he returns, especially in terms of legacy, family, or something else, uh, what do you feel is at stake here? I think legacy is probably his biggest concern. Pride is just, it's so important to him that I think damaging his pride is just as bad as killing him. But, you know, he has family, his brother. I didn't get into this yet because my research time was a little, I was limited, but I know he had a son that was alive at the time that could become a, a factor and up the stakes in a lot of situations. That's something I'll, I'll probably have to think more about as well when it comes to actually outlining the pilot. And just going back to what you said before about uh, sort of the occult and everything, I'm curious just how solidly do we get into the occult and the supernatural in this? Is it always just sort of in the shadows with some reasonable doubt? Is he really a vampire? Is she really casting voodoo? Or are we straight up seeing spells and you know vampires drinking blood and that kind of thing? Well, that's interesting because this is something I, I definitely wanted you know some input from you guys on. My idea is it's not going to be like Strange California. It's not going to be overt. This isn't a world where people know about magic. I would always like there to be a plausible deniability. You know, I would like a scene where 
you maybe uh, Jean is speaking to Jacques and he notices that his wine is a little thicker or looks coagulated. I want there to be like little hints. It's one of those things where I'd like the reader to second guess, you know, what's happening. You know, is are these things that Marie Laveau doing, is it actually magic? Is it just that she's extremely intelligent and capable person and could make things happen that the average person couldn't? So I think I want to play in that dark area for now. But again, message in a bottle syndrome, I feel like that may be something I change down the line. I might go a little bit harder with the mysticism. Yeah, that's a really fascinating question, actually. And I'm sure we'll uh, dig into this as the months uh, go by. Personally, my take is more, it's essentially what is the sort of end goal of the show because you can play it in so many different ways on one angle i definitely feel like up top the less is more aspect of it is more interesting to me especially considering that there's already so much quote-unquote baggage or, or ex- exposition to be had in terms of that world that if you played ambiguously in the pilot i feel like it could service you well uh, but conversely you could build it up through the rest of the series where you introduce those sort of more magical elements and if the end goal is a version of the lineage of you know voodoo and so forth is basically annihilated by the end of the series, then you could sort of massage it where essentially because of like essentially magic died uh, at the end of the series. So through history, we kind of lost that sense of uh, wonder and uh, the occult and voodoo and so forth. Um, So you could play it a bunch of different ways where it doesn't necessarily contrast with the quote unquote known history uh, of uh, what we know of that period. I think playing it subtly, uh, certainly at first, is, is the way to go. And I, I like the idea that the end game could be the death of, of mysticism. That's, I think that's fascinating. Yeah, definitely. And I think for me, if you look at something like Game of Thrones, it was kind of more interesting to me when we didn't know if magic was real or not. Like, obviously, there were these zombies and whatever in, in the North, but, you know, we were kind of wondering, well, does the Red Woman really have magic? Is this, you know, that kind of thing? And I think at the point at which we started seeing straight up, like, magic spells and stuff being cast, it almost lost interest in it. It kind of became something else. And, like, you know, once you ring that bell, you can't unring it. And then it just becomes this escalation of, like, well, then we have a dragon and then we have this and that. And, and so I think that, you know, playing that subtlety and that reason doubt at least in the first season i think is probably a good way to start with it yeah i definitely agree with that especially considering that and that was uh, going to be tied to uh, another question i was going to ask you uh in terms of the historical aspect of that uh, pilot you mentioned before that you made a, a deliberate choice to integrate historical figures in your pilot uh, first of all why did you base uh, those characters from historical figures and then the second part is how do you want to balance the rounded historical aspect uh, with that occult uh, element i had a basic idea it's funny that a lot of what i have now it changed when i found out about these historical figures but a lot of the bones were already there i already knew that i wanted to have uh, voodoo mysticism because it's just uh, ingrained in in new orleans culture when I think of New Orleans, I think of you know haunted houses and vampires and voodoo. So some of those characters, I was already starting to come up with fictional versions in my head. And when I went back and learned that there were these real historical characters that fit almost perfectly into these slots that I was already creating in my story, I think the temptation was just, I, I had to go with it. And these fascinating backstories, you know, it's just, I don't know, it, it just totally grabbed me. 
yeah, I think it adds some more legitimacy in a weird way in people's eyes too. It's like, oh wow, these were real people. And then you can obviously make up stories about them. But I think that's inherently slightly more interesting to think about. Maybe this all really did happen than just sort of here are some fictional characters I just made up. It kind of adds a layer of it where it's sort of like the the line between history and then mythology or legends. And then you, especially adding some of that occult element and the ambiguity of it really heightens the dimensions of those characters because, like you mentioned, that vampire person, Jacques, uh, maybe he's uh, drinking blood or maybe he's just drinking really thick wine. <laughs> You're not quite sure what it is. Yeah, he likes his wine with pulp. <laughs> So you also have a little bit of a, a pilot description. Would you mind uh, for our listeners are reading that little uh, pilot? Sure. Okay. And this is just the most bare bones kind of spitball take on what I've got so far. But the pilot would open on Lafitte's betrayal and supposed death and follow Week and Jean as he makes his way through the bayou and back to New Orleans, avoiding deadly wildlife and a gang of swamp dwellers who are out to collect the bounty on his head. Jean fights his way through the swamps and makes his way into the city, reconnecting with his brother and getting a basic rundown of the current political climate. Jean will reach out to old allies, but find that few are in any position to help him. Soon he catches the attention of the enigmatic Jacques Saint-Germain, who offers Jean his aid in exchange for Jean's services. He orders Jean to kidnap the mysterious Marie Laveau for reasons unknown to Jean. Desperate, the former pirate agrees to Jacques' terms. Jean attempts to infiltrate Laveau's compound, a task easier said than done in Jean's weakened state. Eventually, the former pirate will come face to face with the powerful voodoo queen and experience which will change his life for good. Excellent. Well, on that note, let's look a bit at the, the pilot and just some thoughts about uh, the structure of it. First of all, why did you make the decision to choose the teaser as that opener? I feel like we have to set up Jacques' betrayal. If I don't show what actually happened to him, if I don't show his own men turning on him, leaving him for dead, you know, I think it's a great way just to, we can establish visually you know, with his dress and just the way he carries himself, we can see that he was a man of status and a man of power. And I think to start when he was already at his lowest place, he's going to look more like a typical pirate after the fall. So I wanted to show how hard he fell. And I think you kind of have to start there for that. It's a strong choice. I think it's a, a nice, brief, concise way to show where he came from without having, you know, I think there's a version of this that someone might write where they spend the entire first episode being like, here's where he was. And then at the very end, he gets betrayed and it's like, tune in next week. But I think I like just getting it out of the way and then getting into like, what's the day to day going to be? So I agree with that. Especially if you're going to be playing some of those uh, characters in the narrative. Again, I'm not quite in the know in terms of the whole cast of characters here, but I definitely feel like there should be a, a little bit of an element of someone we see in the teaser. There's uh, maybe a twist at the end where that person is haunting Jean's life or something like that, where you at least bookend it in the pilot so that it's not just an expeditionary teaser, but it's also introducing us to Jean, but also someone else who's going to be a key figure or something like that. Right. Um, that's a character I didn't really get into much, but I think I, I mentioned him earlier at some point. He's a wholly fictional character uh, that I named um, Mauricio Santos, and he's going to be uh, Jean's first mate that betrays him. And he's going to be a major antagonist going on. I mean, he's basically the reason why Jean is so destitute. He's going to take over the whole empire. So uh, yeah, I think it's a great way to introduce him right off the bat. Um, we understand their dynamic, plus you know, that, that opening is going to be the most pirate this show would ever get, you know, because Jean's not going to be the captain of a ship anymore. This is really his pirate moment. And uh, after that, 
it's going to be more gritty, more underworld. Well, uh, on that idea, uh, obviously we brought up uh, Breaking Bad a lot with the narrative of that. Looking at the engine of the show and sort of the week to week, one potential risk there is just to promise something that the show isn't going to deliver or at least a mispromise or mispromote something that the show isn't. So I'm kind of wondering what you envision to be the week to week, the sort of the focus of each episode. Is it kind of like a pirate mission of the week or is there something else there in terms of the engine? Yeah, I kind of picture it as being, yeah, at least in the beginning, he's going to be getting these these missions, you know, these assignments from whoever is going to start off with Marie and Jacques. So a lot of sort of heisty type things, kidnappings, assassination missions. So it is sort of like a mission of the week type thing that all is going to combine into the overarching narrative. Uh, you mentioned at the end of the pilot, he comes face to face with the voodoo queen, and that's going to change his life uh, for good. Do, do you mean positively or just like change his life in a really big way? Both. <laughs> because she was she was a really interesting character and, and a good person. And um, Alex, you asked earlier, I think I totally forgot this part of your question, but you asked how I wanted to balance fictionalized versions with the real life versions. And it's de- I'm definitely going to lean more towards being fictional, you know, letting them you know, I'm not going to hamstring myself too much with historical accuracy, but I want to be respectful, especially to how the people really were. And um, so she's going to be a more positive influence on John throughout the series. Yeah, I really like that idea of like the voodoo queen and the pirate king. That seems like a nice pairing of uh, <laughs> a tagline type. In terms of just the story arc, what do you see being the major plot arc of the first season? Where do we start and where do we end up just in broad strokes? Still figuring out a lot of that, but um, the way I see it is it's really going to be, you know, he uh, John can't topple Mauricio, his, his former first mate in the first season. So he's going to be sort of a background antagonist and really like maybe the thorn in John's side. But I, I really see the power struggle between Jean and Marie Laveau. That's kind of the, the main thing going on in the greater sense. For Jean, it's really just going to be about finding his footing in this new society to him and and starting to regain some of his lost status. You know, maybe even by the end of the first season, coming up with his own plans to overthrow Marie or overthrow Jacques. Well, to that idea, how do you want to quantify Jean's legacy? What does that mean, uh, practically speaking, in terms of regaining his legacy and sort of his journey in the first season? I'd really have to think on that, I think. Something that gives us an idea, practically speaking, of what it means for Jean to regain his legacy. So at least we get a sense of his journey, uh, a sense of evolution in terms of his character from the pilot to the end of the season. It could be a version of, you said at the top that he loses his ship and he's not going to get a ship, but maybe by the end of the season, he gets a, I don't know, like a little rowboat. <laughs> not literally that, but a version <laughs> of uh, something that a little schooner regains or his stature. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. No, that's that's a good point. I feel like he's going to want to try to claim back his old crew and his old territory and all of you know his old wealth and everything that his first mate has taken. And then you know, like you said, he struggles and he doesn't quite manage that. But I think that you know, however many seasons this is in, by the time he actually does succeed and overthrows his first mate and and you know has the ability to take back what was once his, he probably doesn't want to anymore. He's probably changed enough as a person where you know he has more honor and he he realizes that being this kind of pirate or you know oppressing people or exploiting them or whatever he's doing is is not who he is anymore. And so it's this kind of hollow victory right it's essentially the flip version of the daenerys arc where you think he's going to be enslaving these people that he's retaking but he's actually freeing them unlike mauricio who's uh actually the bad guy 
Right. No, I like that a lot. Those are both good suggestions. And uh, looking again at the pilot as we uh, finish this off, how are you going to try to strike the balance between achieving a premise pilot and setting up the world whilst telling a self-contained story within that episode? That's definitely going to be tricky because there is so much world building that needs to be done. I want to kind of jump into the crux of it pretty quick. I don't want to get bogged down too much in the world building. So I imagine it's going to tilt more into what a standard episode is going to be probably by like the second act, you know, maybe the third act when he's settled in New Orleans. Then I want the rest of the, the remainder of the episode really to, to reflect what we're going to be seeing on a weekly basis, which is sort of, like I said, like the mission of the week. Uh, and this one, my, my idea for now is that he has to kidnap Marie Laveau. So I, I kind of want to get to that uh, and, and let that be the bulk of the episode. All right. Well, thank you for responding thoughtfully to all those questions. And like we said, you don't have to have all the answers right now, but we're thinking the next steps from here and what to work on next would be that rough beat sheet or outline of the the pilot episode and maybe having that ready for the next time we check in with you. That sounds good. Excellent. Uh, And before we go, do you have any thoughts or ideas or questions that you want to shoot? You know what? Nothing comes to mind right now, but I know things are going to come up in the next couple of weeks. So maybe I'll, uh, I'll front load them for the next episode. Sounds good. And maybe you can uh, verbalize those in our uh, paper patron uh, mentorship update, uh, because uh, before we go, don't forget, uh, dear listeners, that we are on Patreon. So if you enjoy this episode, please consider supporting Paper Team via our Patreon page at paperteam.co slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You'll get access to our paper patron podcast, Cheat Sheets. And as just mentioned, there's going to be an exclusive Paper Team mentorship updates just for our Patreon supporters. Uh, so you can get on that at paperteam.co slash Patreon. And so that we can keep producing a great show like this one for you every week. Yeah. So thanks to our listeners for taking the time to tune in. And thank you to Ben for joining us as our mentee and for all of your hard work so far and in the future. Well, thank you guys. It's it's a really great opportunity and honor. And I'm looking forward to learning and uh, hopefully putting out a great script. I'm sure it will be. And uh, for our listeners, you can get all the show notes to this episode at paperteam.co slash 190. As well as I'm on Twitter at TV Calling. I'm at underscore NJ Watson. And uh, Ben, where can you be found on social media if you want to be found? I have an Instagram page, but I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell you what it is off the top of my head. So uh, I don't know. Google me, I guess. All right. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> if you have any thoughts, feedback, uh, uh, questions, or ideas for future episodes, you can always send them to ask at paperteam.co. And what are we doing next week? Well, next week will be our paper scraps for September, where we answer your TV writing questions and look at news and updates from around the industry. So join us for that. All right. See you next week.